today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2015. I'm uh, Julie Lawrence. I'm interviewing Antonia Ortiz about her life in Williamsburg and growing up here and her work as a community organizer. Antonia, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, start with uh, just your name and uh, your relationship to the center, the Swinging 60s Center, and then if you want to start talking about the photograph that we have here. Okay. Speak, speak loudly, as loudly as you can. I'm Antonio Ortiz, and I am 68 years old. I've lived in Williamsburg for approximately about 65. I came here when I was a tiny tot about That's 65 years, right? 65 years, I'm sorry. Okay. And what year, what year do you think you came here? I came here, I think it must have been 49 or 51, so I was really little. Okay. And What year were you born? 47. 47, 1947. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I came from a small island called Puerto Rico. Mm, I was, I guess, the first generation born there because my grandparents and the older family were born all in Spain, uh, Canary Islands in Madrid. And then we made our home in Brooklyn. Uh, all my life I've been in Brooklyn. I attended the schools in Brooklyn except for FIT, which is in Manhattan. <laughs> I didn't know you went to FIT. Yes, I was even taking classes in fashion while I was in Eli Whitney, wow. right here in Williamsburg. Wow. Eli Whitney and Roebling, right? Yes. Okay. And that's what I loved about the schools when I went to school here. The public schools really pushed you into your career. Speak a little bit louder, okay. just okay. so that we can make sure to hear you. Okay. Uh, vocational schools are the most wonderful schools because you had a choice at an early age of what you really wanted to go into and dealt in going to a university, a college, accredited type of school, and mm -hmm. then your career. We missed them. <laughs> we need There them. aren't as many as there used to be, No, right? no more. You could get a career in medicine, start us <clears throat> off nursing. You, if you wanted to learn fashion like I did and probably go to France, which I was and I didn't. <laughs> mm, you did or you didn't? I did not because mm. it was a time of uh, where, where our country was in turmoil, you know, overseas with Vietnam. And since my brother had enlisted, uh, my dad says, you cannot go. Your brother's away. So I remember you. T I think you told me this story once before. Yeah. And I couldn't so I stayed it. behind, and I still made my life in Brooklyn. Have you ever been to Paris since then? No, but that's on my bucket list. It's on your bucket list. Yeah. It's on your bucket list. <laughs> yes. Uh, I I need to find my real roots where they are for my children. My not really my children. My <laughs> child was born here. Uh, but my grandchild, my grandchild is half Asian. My nephews are half Indian. My other nephew, his father is Jewish. So I'm the last of the kind of Spanish side of the family. So you need your roots for a few reasons. You need them because of all the illnesses. I'm a mm -hmm. cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. You need to find out it, why do you have certain feelings and to certain actions. Where did it come from? I found out it was from my great-great-grandmother. What was from your great-great-grandmother? My strength. Uh, 
Ah. My strength that... You just, you just, it. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't know. It could be many. Was it your cancer? Was it, what was it? it, it well, I think the cancer is from the European side because our genes, you know, uh, we have all those cancer genes uh, in the whole family. But she was a very strong woman that... Which grandmother was this? It, it was on my mother's side. She had flaming red hair and green eyes. And was your mother born in Puerto Rico? Uh, no, I think she was born in Spain back in 1911. Your mother? My mother, my mother. Wow. Yeah. So uh, the reason why she came here, she, she, her husband was Scandinavian, and they Who, whose husband? Uh, my my great 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 grandfather. I mean, my great great grandmother's husband was Scandinavian. This is on your mother's side. On my mother's side, but yet he lived in Spain. So he found this Spanish woman with red hair and flaming, uh, flaming red hair. That's how they everybody said in the family and green eyes. And they wanted to breed horses. Where did the Spanish go? They and everybody else to the New Islands, the Caribbean islands. So that's where they ended up. But that's like, how they ended up in in, in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. That was back in the early 1800s. Wow. So what happened? Like everything else that happens now, uh, my Scandinavian great-great-grandfather did not want to stay in the island. He wanted to go back to Europe. So who stayed? With two little girls, my great-great-grandmother, she was a horsewoman. Did he ever come back? or he? No, he did not. And that's who I want to find. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to him? This, wow. Yes. It, it was an exciting story. And uh, she just kept living there in the island and breeding horses. That's why her son-in-law, yes, my her daughters, she only had two daughters. So my, my great-grandmother, uh, she was born in Puerto Rico. I think she, yeah, she was born in Puerto Rico, yeah, my great-grandmother. And uh, she stayed there, she bred horses, she brought those two girls up. And it just happened that there was this other family that came from Spain, which was my great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. And he bred horses, mm. Arabian Nights. Wow. And he was a horseman also. He, wow. Beautiful man, dark hair, blue eyes from Spain rode a white horse, all dressed up. Unfortunately, I really didn't get to meet him because my family is much older than I am. I'm mm -hmm. like a, a baby from Brooklyn. I, you know, I didn't have time to meet these older people, but the stories came down and there's really not much left because most of my family's gone already. Well, tell me a little bit how yeah. all of this, these roots of yours, how do they influence your life when you came to Brooklyn as a child, you're growing up, what you experienced, and, and I want to hear more about, you know, I know you as a community organizer. Mm -hmm. Even before I knew you at the mm -hmm. center, I knew you from community board meetings, and I knew that you were a fighter. <laughs> so I'd love to hear how Williamsburg and your life here contributed to who you are, how you interacted in the neighborhood, okay. just different things like that. Well, I grew up in a different <clears throat> Williamsburg back in the early 50s. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a Williamsburg that was real community. Mm. And it wasn't so diversified as it is now. Mm. It was mostly Italian, 
and Jewish mm -hmm. and some Hispanics. Mm -hmm. We didn't see anybody else. Okay. But we lived together really well. Where did you, what street did you grow up on? I grew up on uh, Manhattan Avenue and Mesero. Really? So yeah. right, let's see, if this is Manhattan, so in that direction. Yes, yes. So not too far from where you live now, right? Yeah. I still live on Borum and Manhattan Avenue in the co-op. <clears throat> and what I learned is that we are more alike than different. Mm -hmm. And we learn from each other. We must learn the best of each other. And um, I was a child that was very inquisitive. I was uh, a child that always listened to older people because mm. they had a lot to teach me. A lot of wisdom. I had a lot of mentors, like teachers. Really? And older people with old stories about back home, whether it be in Europe or whether it be wherever they came from. And these are people who mostly lived in Williamsburg? Yes, yes. Okay. Now you have this wonderful photo here. Tell me, did this was this photo taken in Williamsburg or you're not sure? You you were in the photo. Tell us a little bit about this photo. It is Williamsburg. It is Williamsburg. And what this what is the occasion here? The occasion is one of my older cousins, because I'm one of the baby cousins. I was always the flower girl to all my cousins' weddings. <laughs> this family was my uh, my father's side of the family. Okay. And that's what you see in the picture. Every wedding was a family, a distant relative, or a very close friend in that wedding. And what, what's, what, because Ortiz is not the name that you that's were born with, right? right. That no. belongs to not even somebody, that's, that's a whole other thing right now, right? That's, that's my first husband. Right. My real maiden name is Valentine, like Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. With a V, not a B. <laughs> Uh, but I lost that name very young, so I kept this name. It's short. It's very common, but hey, I have a child with that that, that had that name. Now she has not doesn't have that name. Ortiz. Huh? Right. She has Lee. L E E. That's the change through the years. That she's her husband is Asian. Yeah. So this photo, I was a flower girl back. I must have been nineteen fifty. I must have been seven years old mm -hmm. or less, and. Uh, we enjoyed family then. Uh, fa uh, you did not really need anybody else except most of your families were so big that when you had the holidays, I mean, mostly everyone there was a family member, mm -hmm. either a very distant cousin or some friends of family also. That It's no longer like that. That's a loss I've seen. Families have shrunken to be small or distant. Geographically distant, yes, right? Yes, yes. And what about, you know, the, the name of this project is, I think it's Our Streets, Our Stories. What about, I mean, do you remember, do you have any idea where this photo, if it was taken in Williamsburg, was it like a wedding palace? Where was it? Where would they have gotten married? Where in the geography of Williamsburg? Uh, okay, it was here in Williamsburg. I believe this was a little further down. I think it was on... Ellery Street, where the Pfizer building is. Okay. That's over by the Broadway stop of the uh, yes. train, I Yes, it was like borderline. And um, we had, at that time, we didn't have big nightclubs. We didn't have big money either. <laughs> so they had these small nightclubs uh, that it was on the bottom of a building, you know, on the, on the first floor of mm -hmm. a building. Like a commercial building. Yeah, yeah. And they would say, you know, wedding hall to rent or something like that. And then you had to decorate it yourself. I really? think this, yes. Yes. You, 
Awesome. Nobody could imagine that with all these $100,000 weddings. Yeah, these days, not right? like this. Now, they used to have those. They used to have them in Manhattan mostly, right. not in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, right. they had these small. And then, of course, Brooklyn people weren't wealthy. They were working class people. Mm-hmm. But then the second generation went to school further. Mm-hmm. They were no longer blue collar. They became white collar workers. They moved out a lot. A lot of my family mm-hmm. lives. I even have family in New Finland. In Alaska, I mean, you know, they're no longer here. Mm. And this is why it's good to know. You have family everywhere. You have no idea. And as family grows, you have more family someplace else. So I was uh, the the young child, the flower carrier here. And as that young child, what did, what did people call you as a child? Tony. They did call you Tony. They used to call me Tony because... I was born as I was a I'm a Catholic, so I was born on St. Anthony's feast day, which is June 13. Oh. So I was named after St. Anthony, but Antonia or Antonia instead of Antoinette. So everybody through my life called me Tony. And what did you do? How, where did you play as a child in the neighborhood? I we didn't have like big playgrounds I think we had a park I think on Tompkins Avenue which was a little far from us Mm -hmm. so we tried to stay like in the front stoop with some of the other kids in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I must have been the only child that was of Spanish descent because I played the little Jewish kids and the little Italian kids you know but we were all kids we didn't look at who we were and when a grown-up called us in we knew all of us had to go back home, whether it be really? Mama Italiana or Mama Jewish. <laughs> what kinds of games did you play? Just, um, I was never good at too many games, just hopscotch, I think. I couldn't jump a rope. I didn't have a bike. You didn't have a bike? Wow. No, and I guess kid, I guess kid, not a lot of kids had bikes in those days. No, maybe. my father worked very hard for a refrigerator company. Mm-hmm. And at that time, mothers took care of their children. My mother babysat for the neighborhood kids of some of the mothers that did go to work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to work very early. I was 14 when I started working for, for a company that's, that, that made stuffed animals. And do you have brothers and sisters? I'm trying to remember. I have one younger, 11, 11 months younger than my self-sister, who lives in New Jersey. Okay. And my brother, who still lives in Brooklyn. He's youngest. He's the baby. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. And you started working at 14. Now, was that around the time you are going to Eli Whitney High School? Uh, I had started my first year. And since I... And then I went after that when I graduated, uh, since I was still taking classes with FIT, I went to work for a designer in Manhattan. Really? In the Garmin district. I know this about you. Yes, and I went to work and I worked with the designer, real frilly, lacy underwear, and they would model it. And once I made one perfect sample, it would go off. That's what I did. It was very interesting. So wait, you were a designer of those things? I would help the designer and I would make the first piece to be produced, mass produced. So you have, you're a sewer. I was a, a seamstress, you know. I had to learn everything from pattern, from pattern. designing, pattern making, to making the first piece together, making it perfect, make it fit on the model. Huh. That's then for production. So how would you say that your life growing up 
family, living in Williamsburg, all these things. How did they contribute to what you do now? Well, well, you did you did talk about that you did some sales work later. Yes, communications okay. strictly different. Okay. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like something you necessarily loved. No, I did love you it. You did love it. I did wrong. love oh, because did love it, it wasn't. I was in a field that was international. I dealt with a lot of overseas people. <clears throat> I dealt with a lot of organizing conferences, bringing people over to the. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, bringing people over to uh, build up their their businesses overseas. So I worked with organizing conferences in Jacob Javits. Uh, uh, I went to a lot of conferences in Nebraska, California, everywhere to meet my counterparts that dealt with the same issues. Could people, when you met people, could they tell you were from Brooklyn? Yes. <laughs> and explain to me why that might be. Because of the way we are. We speak fast. We have a Brooklyn <laughs> accent. Although and, not too many people have a Brooklyn accent anymore. But. Yeah. But, uh, if, well, if you stayed in the neighborhood a yeah. lot. And the thing is that you 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 more or less know where the other people are from because <laughs> we're faster. We we get the job done faster. We don't have any time. No BS, right? No BS. Um, uh, we we have. I think the people from the eastern side have a different way of doing things than from the, the west country. or the Midwest. You mean the eastern side of the yes, U.S. Yes. The, you know, the eastern... Um, seaboard. The seaboard. Yeah. Um, over there, other places, they're more laid back. Nebraska is very slow for yeah, me. Yeah, you couldn't really call New Yorkers laid back, right? No, no more. But they love us. This is why now this new wave in this uh, Brooklyn, they, you know, we have to teach them to, to live with us because they, they, they're not prepared for this drastic change. Who's not prepared for this transition? The young people that are coming like from the Midwest. Mm. They're too laid back. They have to cross the street a little faster. They have to look both ways. <laughs> so now you have a daughter yes. who lives in New Jersey, and I believe she has at least one daughter. One, her own, just one right? daughter. What was it like? Now, if I remember correctly, you were married, but not for a terribly long time, the first time, right? I was a single mother your, when Your I, husband, George, who just walked in a minute ago, but that's only been for like the last 20 years, right? 77, no, 35, I think. Yeah. So tell me about your daughter and how it was to raise her as a single mother. It was hard. I worked six days a week. How old were you when you gave birth to her? Oh, I turned 20 on June 13. July 13, she was born. So I'm 20 years in one month. We're almost the same age. She's going to be 48. And she's a strong kid, too. Because I taught her responsibilities. Uh, even I was a young mother, I was like an old mother. I guess because of being around older people. You had to mm -hmm. learn how to wash. You had to learn how to cook. You had to learn how to be a child and an adult at the same time. Because, hey, I, you know... I had just turned 19 when I got married. I didn't go off to France, mm. so I got married instead. But you did go to college, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, part. I didn't finish. Okay. Yeah, because I, it was too much. Holding a job six days a week and bringing up a child. And in much. those days, it wasn't the way it is now where so many people go part-time anyway, right? It's no, different. there was no part-time. But I did, when I went into working for AT&T International Services and Communication, I'm very certified in that. I constantly had to be in training and certified mm. because of 
everything that came up, the email system, the toll-free oh, numbers, all those things you designing. Had to learn them all. Yes, I had to I had to put them together, put packages together for my customers, sell it to them, show them how it worked. And what when did you start becoming a community organizer? And tell us a little bit about how you I wanna it's it's about five after four mm -hmm. and I know you need to go on to your next thing so we give this maybe five, ten minutes tops. Okay. Because I want to hear more about your community organizing and because that's, I know you as this sort of warm, sweet, huggable firebrand. That's how I think of you. Um, well. She just has so much strength and so much warmth. It's an unusual combination. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that I love. And, you know, one of the things that's been great for me working with you here is just to get to know you more. And I don't just see you at community board meetings anymore. Now I actually get to interact with you on uh, a regular basis. So I want to hear, I mean, I've been a community organizer, but it's different. You started a lot earlier than oh, I yes. did. So tell, and tell us about that. Well, first let me tell you, I'm at the point now that we, the... The last baby boomers, we have to take that torch and I'm pass it on. the last year of the baby boomers. <laughs> 1964. We should be passing the torch. Okay. And we should be teaching what we have learned. And for the new people that are coming in to take over and make it better. Mm -hmm. Okay? You learn. You learn the mistakes that have been done and the good that has been done. I really started getting involved and trying to change something when I was in my last year of high school. I became the vice president of the general student organization. At Eli Whitney High School. At Eli Whitney. On uh, North Roebling and North 7th. Right. Correct. Which is now has, it's, it's, it's actually, well, but I think the entrance is, the entrance that I know of is not Roebling, but it's no. between the two, I guess. And no longer, yeah. Eli Whitney is now Van Arsdale. And then it was Van Arsdale, and now I think it has yet another name. Oh, well, you know, it's yeah. been a long, long time, 65. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Then, uh, by that time, of course, I had to go to school. And what, had, what kind? You said it was a vocational school. I'm sorry. It was a vocational school. You had training in nursing, cosmetology, sewing, cabinet making. What did you study? Of course, I went into the field of uh, sewing and designing. And I used to put on my own fashion shows. I, really? I sold a blue velvet dress for $250 what? in 1965. What? That's like, to, practically, that would be like $2,500 yes. now. And it was a beautiful, I fitted it on one of the other girls that had, I never yeah. had that model figure, but I had the idea. Yeah. She was tall, she had dark hair, and that blue velvet dress was a winner. So I, I, I not only designed the dress, I made it, I put it on the model, I introduced it, and I ran the whole fashion show. Where was the fashion show? At Eli Whitney. That was my last year. That was like your senior project or something yes, like that? Yes, yes. Wow. Do you have any pictures of that anywhere? <sighs> no. No, I don't. Uh, I only have my yearbook. It might be in my yearbook. I'm, I don't even know where my yearbook is. Yeah, but it might be there because it was a it was a hit. I, I remember. And that. how do I? I mean, you've discussed so many different skills that you have. You talked about. I mean, things that have struck me mm -hmm. that you've talked about. Your family roots. Yeah. How community is so important to you. How you want to find your family and know your family and know your community. Mm. You talked to how you know about the work that you did and yeah. how much you enjoyed it and communications international. So I'm hearing all these different things kind of mishmash. Tell me how that all comes together to create Tony, the... the Turn you know, of the century Tony. <laughs> Turn of the century Tony, sure, who's, a, who's famous in Williamsburg as a community organizer, as, an, as what I would consider one of the elder 
elder <laughs> scholar community organizers from whom so many people can learn? Well, I believe I grew up in so many different eras because mm. I, I started like right in the middle of the last century. Okay. Okay. And I've, I'm able to see what was good about it, what we can make better. And as you grow, you see you want to change things. Mm -hmm. You can only change them if you're part of that change. I so agree with you on yeah. that one. So, uh, I loved living in that time. It was kind of more of an innocent time. It was mm. more caring. Mm -hmm. It was more family-oriented. And I know things change because as years go by, you have to work harder. Everybody's struggling. Mm -hmm. But you still have to keep some of that, too. You can't let it go. I still try to keep it. You know, I, I was at a wake uh, uh, the other day, a memorial, really, on Sunday. Uh, somebody who's a very good, was a very good community organizer a scholar, mm -hmm. she was a lawyer, mm -hmm. she was a professor at John Jay, wow. 71 years old, taken wow. by acute leukemia. We miss her dearly, but we must go on for her, that's what I believe. Well, what are some of your, I mean, I know about some of your issues, but I want you to talk about, mm -hmm. you know, what are some of the issues, because every time I talk to you, you're going to a meeting here, a meeting yes. there. You're always running, 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 and in the middle of it, you're getting chemo. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know where you get all this energy, but I want to hear about what the causes are that are important to you. Okay. It's ten after. Okay. I know you guys need to go to your thing, but so I don't want. I, but just if you can tell me a little bit okay. about, you know, uh, I think I will always be a Brooklyn girl. Okay. That's how I feel. Okay. And I think Brooklyn is here to stay. I see it hopefully for the better. Okay. I love diversity. Diversity not only in race and religion, diversity in classes. So you don't mind the newcomers? No, I don't at all. Okay. Because I think that they should get more involved so they could be an inspiration to the people that are just here. Okay. Okay. That's how I feel. Okay. Um, because um, I fortunately have some little investments. I'm in that stuck middle class now because I did get an education. I had a good job. I didn't have too many children. And I think if I have something to give, not only monetary, some of my experience, and I want to change something, I should be part of this. And this is what I like, a community that's involved. A community from a child being involved to a senior being involved. And so tell me a little bit about some of your issues. You, I mean, I know you've definitely helped us with the, with the fight to keep this center open right. from the greedy landlord. Uh -huh. um, but tell me, what was the first issue that you got involved with? I may have to answer this. Okay, go ahead. Um, no, I got it. Okay. She got it. Um, what was the first, how old were you when you first did community organizing and what was the issue and where are you today with some of those different okay. issues? And then, and then maybe we'll wrap it up. So you well, know. it was really in my own co-op. I was 28 years old, recovering from surgery, and they needed someone to run for the board that was younger. And this is the... Co-op, Lindsay, Lindsay Park. Park. And those were some of the earliest Mitchell-Lama buildings, if Yes, the mistaken, ones that right? were built for middle class in the Can 50s. Can you explain how that worked? Because it's a really interesting the concept is. of, Lin uh, of uh, Mitchell-Lama Right. Because I heard you bought, paid a very minimal amount. Okay. Mitchell-Lamas uh, were Mr. Mitchell and Mr. Lama. They were either senators or uh, one people. was a Republican, one was a Democrat, <clears throat> one was a lawyer, one was a um, an architect, and they decided that this uh, certain areas in Brooklyn and Manhattan and Queens, mostly in Brooklyn, 
they weren't growing as fast and we were getting more an influx of sort of the, like the lower middle class which mm -hmm. is still working you know you didn't have the very wealthy higher middle class you had the teachers the, the police officers the nurses mm -hmm. we weren't earning a lot of money mm -hmm. back there in the 50s mm -hmm. so they needed housing for them okay keep going, keep going. and um, Michelama is wonderful because it's your first investment. You bought shares into a corporation. You have to feel proud. You couldn't afford a home, but you've had shares in a big corporation. And I heard it was something like six hundred, six thousand dollars, or something like that. Something new. It was right? always much less. Less, really. It was about twenty six hundred dollars for wow. an apartment, and a two this bedroom was in the apartment. Sixties or the seventies when it, you bought yours. Uh, in the seventies, it and was it was already twenty six. Before that, I think it was much less. Now, was this when you bought into your cop? Was this in seventy four? When you were a single mom or when you had married George no, by this point? I, I, I was almost a single mom already. Almost a single but, mom, but, but you still married I was still husband. married, you know, so the three of us, my ex-husband and my child, but, you know, two years and he was gone. Um, so um, this was something that I enjoyed because you became part of something. I can you were, so you, relate, Tony. You had an investment, so you were proud of it. You wanted to make it better. You wanted to maintain it. You had a choice of participating to do changes. You wanted to keep it. Uh, unfortunately, it's no longer that way. We're losing them. Uh, that's so-called the affordable housing that we need because mm. it, it's a, it, it'll bring people with an incentive. And then people moved on. They bought a home. Some, some stay. But a lot I'm of still, stay forever. You're, a lot of stay forever. Joyce lives yes. In your yes, a lot of people. And what was the, um, cause your husband's looking for you. What was the, um, uh -huh. the, what was it specifically? So they needed people for the board. Yes, and I was elected. That's how it used to be. You were elected. Mm -hmm. uh, elected either by vote or proxies, uh, which are, our proxies are very harmful now because anybody could sign a piece of paper and vote for the wrong reason. And uh, from there, I stayed since I was 28 years old until about 10 years ago. I on held, the board? On the I'm board. I was vice president of the board. I chaired uh, a lot of committees because we had pools. We had the rental committees. I, I, <clears throat> I, I had a building. The, the buildings are 2,700 units. Each building is seven buildings. Each building is almost 400 families. I was chairperson of my building. Wow. I ran all kinds of functions for the young, the older, for everybody. We wanted to keep this as a big family. We don't have that now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm more active than ever. I'm active in trying to bring back the Michelamas throughout, not only in Brooklyn. Throughout the state? Throughout the state okay. to what it was. I, I am part of a group called Cooperatives United for Michelama, which is 38 co-ops throughout New York City. Wow. We meet in Wall Street and we push uh, uh, our elected officials, our assembly, our senators, uh, to, to keep it this way at least. We know the rents are not gonna be the same because expenses are not the same, mm -hmm. but families could stay together. And we should be able to enjoy this 50 years after they were built. I'm also with the borough presidents, the Brooklyn Borough President's Office, the Michelama Task Force, and the secretary to that group. And those are the Michelama, not only co-ops, but rentals that are left, which are now dwindling in size, we're losing them. What's the legacy that you, as this person who respects your roots and cares about your community in Williamsburg, what, what legacy 
do you I mean you're still you're going to be doing this for a while as far <laughs> I as I can see 94 <laughs> right what is it that you do what is the legacy that you want to see that you want to hand down to somebody else of your work that uh, I feel that it's in all of us that we have the strength to do something but we have to get involved mm -hmm. and if you want change you make that change mm -hmm. and it's possible it's a long road but it's rewarding not because you get recognized not because you get a pat in the back because mm -hmm. you have been part of a change and that's what I want to pass on that that's what you should be proud be proud of yourself that you are part of that change for the good but always remain that you are part of a community it makes you no better it makes you no worse it just makes you a part of a great community and you'll see these communities thrive if we keep it that way. And we could all live here with our low-income housing, with our middle Michelama, with our luxury buildings. We could all live together and make it wonderful cities for all. And this is what we teach to the younger people. Do you think that your granddaughter will be a community organizer? How old is she now? My granddaughter is very active. She's going to be 12, and she's a very good child. She's an honor student. She's a Girl Scout. She's always interested in helping other people. I see that in her. She'll go out to senior centers with the Girl Scouts. Uh, she loves to rough it up mm -hmm. and see how's out there because she's a kid from Jersey now. Uh, and she's just a caring child and she's, um, I know she's a little bit religious. I don't, you know, Catholics, they do become nuns. I hope not. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> because she has, she has a lot to offer there. And she's very sociable. Uh, she's got this uh, this dear friend. He's going to graduate now because he's in eighth grade. She's going into seven. And his parents are physicists. And who's going to? T he's going to take to the prom to his prom. My granddaughter. That's great. Because they love each other like brother and sister. Do, do you think your grand this then? Then we'll just wrap this yeah. up. Do you think your granddaughter understands? We're all, does she know about what you do? Does she understand oh, yes. why you do it? And and does she understand how it's related to your community? Yes, we talk about it because she's, she's a child like me that I listen to older people. And when she found out of that issue protesting, she wanted to write an article for her school about Nana. Really? But she wanted to say Nana the convict. We don't use that word. The, the convict. The convict. Oh, <laughs> wait, do you mean because you were arrested, arrested. for the center? <laughs> oh my God, that's So great. my daughter said, no, if, um, if you're going to write an article, it's not going to be Nana the convict. It's going to be Nana the activist. She says, okay, but let me write about Nana. She's a, were you the only, oh no, you and Debbie Medina were both arrested. The only two females. When we were doing the, the protest to save yes, the center. Yes, right? exactly. Uh, but uh, I see her, I, uh, she wants to be a, a um, pediatric dentist because she feels that everyone should take care of their teeth when they're young, not wait till they lose them. <laughs> she, she's a very talkative child too, you know, she's not meek or anything or shy. She also models, of <clears throat> course, and dances and plays instruments. Uh, but she's very interested in what's happening and she has mentioned to me, Nana, I like New York. I like Brooklyn. I think I want to go to college in New York. Great. So make sure you leave something so I could have an apartment near the waterfront. And you think with these, these battles that you're fighting <laughs> so that you can go, go, go with your husband to your next meeting, 
What do you think? Are we going to win these battles to save the center and to save your Mitchell? I, I'm positive. I'm an optimist. Okay. I'm not a pessimist. Okay. There's always a way. There's always an, a, a, two doors that close, and then you want to open one, and then you see the other one open after that. I always have a good feeling, and I guess because of my illness, too, I fought it. This is my second time, and, uh, you know, and uh, I've always been there for people who have lost fights, health mm. fights, uh, fights with anything that they have, and I said, that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. We're, we're going to win sometime. Okay, Tony. I think that sums okay. it up. Thank you so much.